and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you, my friend, to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we've got a major crisis going on in the United States. That is a lack of teachers. Teachers are leaving the profession at alarming numbers. And so we're going to take a look at what those reasons might be and where are they going. So if you don't know my story, I had a 20-plus year in radio broadcasting. But then over the last 10 years, I've had a, also a career in education, taught at a community college in Los Angeles for about eight years. I've taught K through 12 in the past as well. And this past year, I had an opportunity to spend time working in an assignment where I was able to utilize uh, my educational experience and teaching prowess to help kids, especially in special education at different schools around the district. And so uh, I have, over the course of the years, heard a lot of teachers, talked to a lot of teachers, and heard all kinds of stories and reasons and the hardships and the rewards and all that stuff. But I think after the pandemic, or at least during the pandemic, I think a lot of teachers started to realize the problems with education and they have hit the surface and now they are just done. So what do I mean? So as I do often, I will research a lot of stories and a lot of topics for the show. And during the uh, last show that we did, episode 124 on school safety and school security, I was looking up research about different schools and school districts and how teachers handle crisis situations. And you can go back and listen to that. You can go to RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com, and just look up episode 124, and then you can watch either the YouTube version or the SoundCloud version. You can also find us on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. But anyways, uh, we're there. Just Google search us, T-W-O, Two Steps Head Podcast, and we pop up. But uh, as I was doing that, I started to notice that there's a lot of school districts where teachers are just leaving in groves. And one that stood out is the Omaha Public School District. So Omaha Public Schools, according to a news story I saw, said that approximately, they're expecting anyways, 700 school teachers to leave the district this year. And apparently from the article, that does not include teachers that are retiring because they've reached that limit. These are just teachers that are done and they're gone. Furthermore, according to the National Center for Educational Statistics, 44% of the 670 public school districts say they have teacher vacancies. So you had 670 public school districts and nearly half said we've got vacancies. Teachers aren't wanting to teach. People aren't wanting to teach. Special, special education uh, was the teaching position or the category that had the most vacancies. I tell you, special education teachers are a different breed. If you've never worked special education, then you really don't have anything to say as far as problems because when you deal with special education, the demand and the workload is unbelievable. 45% 
said that general education or general elementary education had vacancies. Uh, substitute teachers, 20% had vacancies in substitute teachers. And then resignations, 51%. Resignations, the least, leading cause of vacancies followed by retirement. So vacancies consisting of resignations and retirement, 72%. So almost three-quarters of teachers are leaving because they want to get the hell out is basically what it comes down to. And we're going to delve into that. The other issue is that schools, according to this survey, are lacking like non-teaching support staff, janitorial staff, bus driving staff, paraprofessionals, again, substitute teachers. Class sizes have increased. Teachers have to do double duty. Triple duty. Janitors are being called into action. And again, when you start to look at some of these things, then you start to realize that there's a systemic problem when it comes to education. And one of the root causes is the fact that there's just a lot of issues with teachers not feeling supported, not feeling like they've got the resources, not feeling like they can do the job that they want to do. So you have teaching and non-teaching shortages in a bulk of the schools that were surveyed. Nutrition staff, lunch staff. I mean, a lot of kids, they don't eat at home. They rely on the schools for their meals, especially at lunchtime. You know, we talked about it, I think, a few episodes ago. We had a lady that was talking about how it's hard to teach stinky kids. I don't know if you remember that. And so they would have deodorant or other things of personal hygiene available, maybe baby wipes and stuff. So you can wipe down the student. I've had to do that. Wipe down a student because they're filthy and they stink. Can't teach stinky kids. Mom, dad, bathe your kid. Come on. Or you have to hoard snacks because they're hungry. I know teachers that have to give students snacks when they come to school because they don't eat breakfast. Have you ever been hangry? I mean, heck, the Snickers commercials. There's a reason why people are grumpy when they're hungry and they change their moods when their stomachs are full. So you know it's a real problem. So again, that's what we're going to talk about. One of the biggest things is burnout. Ever been in a job or in an environment where you're just tired of it? You know, you're just done. How about all those athletes that are living your dream world, and then they just give it up because they're done. They're like, I'm just burned out, tired. You think, how can you be tired of playing baseball every day? You're in your prime and you're going to give it up? They're just burned out. That is one of the biggest reasons why teachers are done today. And if you ask teachers, they will talk about being underappreciated, undervalued, they don't have the resources, administration doesn't back them up. When you say administration, you do have to be careful because there's the on-site school administrators and then there's the district-wide administrators. My experience has been, for the most part, that the on-site administrators tend to kind of be there for the students. Not always, 
just like the teachers aren't always there for the students. We've talked about in the past all these woke teachers and people that are spreading and indoctrinating their ideology into the students, whether it be LGBT, CRT, or whatever. So, again, everybody has an agenda. But when we're talking about education and teachers that are dedicated to make it so that these students that they're in charge of will get the best education so that they can go and take their passion and make it happen, so they can prepare themselves for the next grade level, so that they can go and be whatever it is that they want to be. Okay, that's what we're talking about. And these are the people that are leaving. Have you ever sat down, if you've got kids in school, have you ever sat down and just talk to a teacher, find out how they're doing, you know? Back in the day, there was this, I think it was a Joe Bazooka or Bazooka gum. used to unwrap the Bazooka baseball gum, and there'd be a little cartoon comic in it. But there was a comic one time that I saw. I don't think it was Bazooka gum now that I think about it, but there was a comic somewhere like that, that in the 1950s, you had the teacher with the parent-teacher conference, and the parent and the teachers were both looking at the student, and they were on the same team pointing at the student that, hey, you need to do better. Now... Modern day, you have the parent yelling at the teacher, the teacher arguing back with the parent, and the kid with some smug, smirk look on his face like, yeah, I'm getting away with it. That's where we are. We're in an environment where education is no longer about educating in some cases. It's about indoctrinization. But then when you get beyond all the politics of it, it's a hard job that teachers are just getting burned out with. So in Omaha Public Schools, you have 700 people leaving. Some might be going to other school districts. Some might be leaving the teaching profession altogether, going into finance. I read stories where teachers are going into, there's one lady somewhere that I read along the myriad of articles that I've read about this, that she will has a company where you can go and they will train you to become a financial advisor, basically rotate you out of teaching and into financial advising. Some people get into like insurance adjusting and some of those type of jobs. And the reasons why they do that is because the pay is more. The hours are less. I mean, think about it. Teachers used to go into the profession because, first of all, they care about the students. But also, let's be honest, summer's off, right? You would go from maybe 7.30 to 3.30, 7.45 to 3.45, whatever. Summer's off, weekend's off. You would teach manageable classroom sizes and you know you had the support of administration the support of parents but it's all changed and the pandemic has emphasized these things and we'll get into that too but now you've got summers off but summers have gotten shorter a lot of people have to resort to summer school or being begged into summer school a lot of people have to or forced to change grade levels that they're teaching they don't have a say in it i know some teachers have left because of that you know, change classrooms. It's not easy to be a teacher anymore. You got teachers moonlighting as second jobs, with second jobs, as bartenders, maybe as, you know, wait staff at a restaurant, maybe as Uber drivers. So one uh, summer when I was teaching at the community college, I used to teach summer school. I'd teach a summer school class. And that would kind of help me get through summer with something to do, but also extra money. And one year we remodeled the studio. So I couldn't have any classes in the studio. So I'm like, what am I going to do with my time? One, I need something to do so I can have something to do. And then two, how can I make some extra extra income that I'm losing out on by not having a summer class? So I decided to drive for Lyft, which is equivalent to Uber if you don't know what Lyft is. First of all, that is a horrendous job. 
Okay. You don't make the money as promised because once you calculate fuel prices, and this was maybe about six, seven years ago, fuel prices, not today fuel prices, and you still didn't make any money, uh, wear and tear on your vehicle, the crap you have to put up with the people driving in the vehicle, plus that then the expectation was that you were like a freaking concierge service where they would ask for water, gum, mints, candy, and then bitch that you didn't give them a Snickers bar on their ride to the west side. I mean, good grief. And that's what it became. So <clears throat> I did it mainly to do something. And the stories I got were just unbelievable. I mean, I've got stories for days that I could tell you about just from driving a rideshare situation. And I've got people that were like the orneriest, meanest people, the nicest people, people that would like open up and share their life story. One lady was a photographer, and apparently we had something in common because I mentioned a, a photography or a picture that I saw in a newspaper, and that was she was the one that actually took it. So then she opened up her portfolio that she happened to have on her. Another one was an artist I picked up from a gallery, told me all about her art career. And then other people, they're just belligerent drunk, and you're praying they don't throw up in the backseat of your car. So it's all kinds of nuttiness. Some people wouldn't tip. Others would tip really good. I mean, it was just crazy. Sometimes you'd get a trip that would take you way out if you're in the Los Angeles area. You'd be downtown L.A., and you'd have to take them way out to Pomona, and they have to drive your way back. Um, so it was just nuts. But again, this is what some teachers are doing today as a second job because they're not making enough teaching, and we'll get into uh, what their pay is in a little bit. So you've got inflation now, which is costing everybody more. So the inflation, the cost of living is outpacing teacher pay. You have increased workload, classroom sizes. Again, we talked about these vacancies. And as teacher vacancies increase, class sizes are growing. A class size of 13, 14, 15 may grow to 50. And now you're dealing with 50 students. I remember at elementary school, I think we had, I think there were times we had 30 students. So sometimes I'm confused as to why teachers complain about the bigger class sizes because some of the teachers I had had to deal with 30 of us, 28 of us, something like that, as I recall. I guess I could bust out my yearbooks and count, but again, a lot. But I guess if you're used to and accustomed to 14, 15, and now you double, triple that, it's going to be problematic. And 50 kids in a classroom. I read one story from a lady that didn't have enough desks and chairs for her classroom because she had a large size class because of shortages. Did she have enough desks and chairs? How do you have a classroom without enough desks and chairs? Now, this is like 2022. Figure out administration. Figure out school districts. You stop wasting your money on all this other nonsense and maybe give the teachers the stuff that they need. We might have a better education system. Uh, student behavior is like, I think, becoming the number one. I know on here was teacher burnout and low pay, but I think student behavior, which has gotten so astronomically worse, especially coming back from the pandemic, that teachers are just fed up because there's no recourse and students know that. I've dealt with situations like that where the students just have, they just don't care. Disrespectful, name calling, profanity laced tirades, and they know that there's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is call administration or whatever, and they'll leave the classroom, and then eventually they come back, some half ass faked apology so they can get back into the classroom, and then they carry on again the next day. You have uh, environmental issues. COVID is keeping a lot of people away. Still, some people fearful of COVID, 
back in the classroom, and that's kept some people away. Other safety issues. Last time we talked about uh, the school shootings and school safeties. Things like that have kept teachers away. And then you have administration versus teacher conflicts increasing. Teachers asking for more. Administration, like school district administrators and maybe even principals. Um, conflict on how they see things how to respond to things, how to interpret curriculum, what's the best way to address behavioral problems. So we have all kinds of issues going on. And if you don't believe me, well, here is a teacher, and here is her life as a teacher. Coming home mentally, physically, and emotionally exhausted. Some teachers are coming home having endured being hit, kicked, bit, slapped by students and we're exhausted to the point where we can't even take care of our own kids because we are so drained at the end of the day because of all the stuff we're dealing with at school this year the kids this year they don't know how to play with each other they don't know how to stop playing with each other they don't know how to sit down be quiet to not call their teacher's name a hundred times we have had to reacclimate them to being in school again some of them haven't been in school for two years I don't understand why we're just picking back up business as usual. We are absolutely dog tired and exhausted. We have to do something because what we're doing is not working. We got admin and district officials shouting practice self-care while continually adding a million things to our plates. If y'all really cared about us practicing self-care, we wouldn't be made to feel bad when we need to take a mental health day or when we have to take a personal day off. I mean, you got teachers out here coming to school mentally sick, coming to school physically sick because their admin make them feel bad if they have to miss a day because there's a teacher shortage. I shouldn't have to sacrifice my health because y'all don't have any teachers. Our prep time is gone because there's a teacher shortage and a substitute teacher shortage. So nine times out of 10, we are having to cover a class during our prep period. So when am I supposed to lesson plan, grade these papers, get prepared for teacher observations? And I don't even know why y'all are still doing teacher observations. We've got kids missing an entire class period, missing the first part of class because they didn't have a bus driver to come pick them up because of the bus driver shortage. We got kids missing class and we got parents that are upset with us as their teacher that they weren't in class. I can't control that they didn't have a bus driver to come pick them up. But all of these shortages, they are affecting these students' education this year. How do you expect us to teach and get our kids on grade level when half of our class is late because they didn't have a bus driver? And last but not least, teacher pay. Now more than ever, teachers are looking for a way to leave education, like exit stage left immediately. The situation is that dire. There are a lot more jobs that pay way better than education, and you don't have to deal with crazy parents and power-hungry admin or district officials that have not seen the broad side of a classroom in about 20 years. The sad reality is there are so many teachers in this country that can't afford to pay their bills because they make so little money being in education. I mean, the amount of teachers that have to work a second job just to be able to pay their bills, astronomical. So a lot of teachers are starting to realize the pay plus the amount of stress that we have to deal with, not worth it anymore. You know, the irony of that before I comment is the fact that uh, what she was saying can be applied to radio 
If you work in radio, especially if you're like a behind the scenes, a board operator, producer, stuff like that, you suffer from pretty much the same thing. You got six people working a department or whatever. One person gets let go. Now the five of you are expected to cover the job of six people. Another one quits because they don't want to do that. Now four of you are required. So in the world of radio, it's no different than teaching. And so for me, when I get into the teaching profession, it was... I was used to it, so it doesn't affect me as much as these other teachers because they're used to possibly a certain way of how the teacher profession was. In the radio business, if a guy quit, you were expected to cover. If mass layoffs hit, you were expected to cover without an increase in pay. So, again, I completely understand it. Now, she mentions teacher pay, so let's get to that, and then I'll talk about student behavior. But according to research from the National Education Association, found that the average classroom teacher salary during the 2021 school year was just over 65000 Now, a lot of you might think, wow, 65000 is a lot. And for some of you, it is. And for others, it's not. But think of all the work that goes into earning that $65,000, just like anything. Now, some of the lowest paying states offer a salary of less than 50000 including Florida. I think uh, DeSantis, you should probably up that ante a little bit. Mississippi and South Dakota. Okay, maybe they don't have the resources in Mississippi and South Dakota. I think, I think Mississippi only has like maybe 3 million people in the entire state, so maybe they don't have the tax base, resources, whatever. So I can get that, but also the cost of living is way low or lower. Um, now, California, Massachusetts, and New York, the highest paying states, offer an average of more than 85000 now, people might be saying, wow, 85000 that's a lot. Well, it is, but think about the cost of living in those states. I think I read in Los Angeles or maybe Orange County, um, Southern California, I think the average price for a home is a million dollars. So if you want to buy a home in California, 85000 is that going to get you qualified for a million-dollar home? Probably not. Um, what would that qualify you for? I'm not sure because I don't think you can buy a home in California, where there's a school that will pay you $85,000, maybe around the sticks somewhere, but in a place that actually is suburbia that has a school that you can actually teach at for $85,000, I don't think you can buy a home in that area for $85,000. So, again, that's when she talks about pay, that's what you're dealing with. And it's all relative, of course. You know, some places like in Mississippi, you might be able to make on 50 grand. You know, like I said, a lot of times people are working two jobs and they've got to supplement their income. A lot of times it takes two people. You know, maybe you're married, maybe you've got a significant other that you're living with and it takes two people. But again, that's one of the problems, being underpaid. Student behavior issues is another huge reason why teachers are done. So you have simple things like, Raising a hand to ask a question. People blurt out all the time. I've been in classrooms more times than not as support help or as the teacher or whatever the case may be, whatever the assignment might be, where the teacher will say, don't blurt out the answer, ask the question, and everyone blurts out the answer. Walking around the classroom. There are so many times I've seen students just get up and wander. I've had classes at the elementary school level where a student will just get up and leave. And I'm like, where's he going? He just leaves. 
And now I'm like, what do I do? Do I follow? I've got a class here. I, I can't just leave. And so I look in the hall and he just is wandering the halls. It's okay. It's okay, they say. So you have simple things like that. Not raising a hand, blurting out, a lot of talking. You know, hey, can you be quiet? 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 Hey, no talking. Hey, no talking. I can't hear you. I can't continue lesson because you're all talking. Walking around the classroom, just getting up. To then more violent, severe outbursts. Bullying, breaking things. I had one class where a student literally dumped his desk because he was trying to bully somebody, and that student wouldn't. And this is elementary school. And the student wouldn't take it and pushed back. And so the kid got mad and overturned his desk, even though he was calling that person names. So the student called him a name back and he got mad, dumped his desk. I've had it where students have dumped more, more than one desk. I have teachers tell me, you talked about that uh, audio clip that we just heard from that teacher about biting, hitting. I've had teachers where they've had to call the police because of the violence of a student. I've had teachers call the police because they've been assaulted by elementary grade level students. Forget the high school and the middle schools. Mental health is a big deal. We talked about in the last episode, episode 124, about school safety. Mental health is huge. You've got people that are dealing with things like, diagnosed things like schizophrenia, personality disorders, emotional disorders, to just the stress of life, the stress of being back in school, parents doing drugs, smoking pot, whatever, you know, bad home life. Um, I mean, there are times at the college level that you had uh, students that were older that had a child and they had to deal with child care issues. I remember one time, didn't happen all the time, but there's a couple times where a student was like, I can't come to class because I don't have no one to babysit the, my, my kid. I'm like, well, bring the kid to class and we'll entertain it while you do your lessons, you know, because it's a hands-on project that was due, you know, taking a, a hands-on exam to demonstrate your knowledge of how to work the equipment. You have to be there and show us and demonstrate. It's not like a paper-based test. And so um, bring your kid. And I'm sure any number of these students will entertain your kid for a while. Hell, we'll put on a freaking YouTube in the back or whatever, Coco Melon. And we were able to work things out. But there's all kinds of issues that students and teachers go through. You know, the pandemic-related issues, you know, people sat there and said, we have to keep our kids home. We have to keep our kids home. We have to keep our kids. Teachers that were there and adamant on keeping the kids home and doing online learning because they're afraid of COVID, I get it. But you are now dealing with the consequences of your own decisions. You remember that when you're bitching and moaning. You wanted to keep these kids home for two years, and they missed out on two years of school, being in the classroom where there's no structure, where they had no structure because they weren't in the classroom. They had no rules to follow because they weren't in the classroom. They didn't know what expectations are for being in the classroom because they weren't in the classroom. And you bitched and moaned that you didn't want to go back to the classroom because you were scared of COVID. Now, guess what? You're dealing with the consequences of your decision. Own it. Live it. That doesn't excuse the behavior. And like the teacher said in the clip, we need to be addressing these things and not just picking up where we left off. We need to start from scratch and be like, this is classroom behavior. This is how you do things. I'm sure a lot of teachers went through this. A lot of schools did do that. But again, it takes time, especially if they were in school. And who knows? A lot of times you hear stories during the pandemic when people were online learning. They had YouTube on. 
They weren't even paying attention. They had another computer where they were just clowning around on their laptop or a, a tablet or something and weren't even paying attention. You had teachers that didn't even care if the students showed up to the Zoom meeting. And now you expect them to be back in the classroom. They were not in the classroom for nearly two years. Again, lacking structure, following the rules, lack of routine, lack of social interaction. How many times were you on the playground this year or in the classroom and you saw students get mad at each other? They don't know how to interact with each other. They lack social skills because we were all hiding in the house and we couldn't get out and we couldn't play with other people. So our social skills. How many people like, uh, I don't know, anybody on the liberal media, you know, Rachel Maddow and these other people, I got to keep my mask on because, you know, I'm just so used to it by now. What? They were so conditioned. People were so conditioned with schooling that now they were afraid and they didn't know how to get back to normalcy. Teachers probably forgot how to teach. There was one teacher who was um, complaining about going back to in-classroom teaching. And the reason was his, no joke, I've got witnesses. The reason why he did not want to go back to in-classroom teaching was because he said, how am I going to take my noontime nap and shower? What? You're a 25, 30-year vet? You spent 28 years in the classroom, never once did you complain about a nap and a shower during the noontime? And now all of a sudden you're bitching about it because you were able to show up for like an hour in the morning and then do your nap and shower and then an hour in the afternoon because of online learning? Really? I mean, it's gotten nutty. It's gotten crazy. And then you add on top of that the continued masking, social distancing, amongst all the other behavior issues. I mean, it just gets too much for teachers to deal with. Lack of social skills. Forget about social media. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want to play a clip for you. Gwinnett County, Teacher of the Year. If you're voted Teacher of the Year, you must be uh, somebody pretty special in the teaching profession. An educator above the likes of others, right? Well, he quit. This is what he said. The first issue at hand is student apathy and disrespect for school rules and norms. Returning from concurrent learning, we have an alarming number of students that simply do not care about learning and refuse to even try. We are also experiencing incredible disrespect and refusal to follow basic school rules. There is little to no accountability or expectation for grades or behavior placed on students or parents. Rather than being asked what the student can do to improve their understanding, teachers are expected to somehow do more with less student effort. Next, cell phone use. Teachers cannot possibly compete with the billions of dollars tech companies pour into addicting people to their devices. Phones allow constant communication, often being the spark that fuels fights, drug use, and other inappropriate meetups throughout the day. We need a comprehensive district plan with support behind it in order to combat this epidemic and protect the learning environment. Lastly, there is a huge disconnect between administrators and teachers. The classroom in 2022 is drastically different from just three years ago. Most administrators have not been in a classroom full-time in years or even decades. Many teachers currently do not feel understood, valued, or trusted as professionals from administrators and the decisions that they make. Many decisions seem to be short-term band-aids placed on gaping wounds. While these issues are not new, and there was a negative trend in these in education before 2020, the pandemic has acted as a catalyst and turned a slow negative trend into an exponential crisis. I won't list complaints without offering ideas for improvement. First, 
All administrators from the school level and throughout the ISC should be required to spend one week immersed in a high-needs classroom without a suit, without people knowing your title, and in the same room all day for an entire week. If administrators truly care about improving the issues, then they need to understand what is happening. You cannot understand the issues in planned visits or 15-minute observations. Next, smaller class sizes need to be a priority. 36-plus students in an academic class makes it near impossible to manage post-COVID behavior while effectively meeting the much higher post-COVID needs of every student. 25 students in a sheltered ESOL class is not what's best for Gwinnett's diverse student body. Every single decision that we make should be for the students. Picture this, a circular model of teachers, parents, and administrators working together with students at the center. Currently, the circle is broken. We must offer support without threats or frivolous lawsuits. We all want the same thing, and we cannot accomplish this without supporting one another. Uh, students need clear and consistent expectations. Lastly, there needs to be transparency. In January of this year, GSPS reported that behavior roles were at the same level, yet many teachers and people are raising red flags about what is happening. Is it the same? And as any good leader can tell you, you cannot fix a problem that you won't admit exists. Thank you. All right, so we had to hurry it up because of uh, time constraints, and then he kind of got the mic turned off on him there at the end. But you get the gist. You're starting to see a pattern. He mentions kids not caring. They don't want to learn. Disrespect toward the teachers. That's a big one. Parents, what the hell are you doing? Will you allow your kids to be this disrespectful to you as they are to their teachers? Again, it goes back to parenting. Parents need to step up. Dads need to step up. Teach some respect to the kid that you have. So don't disrespect the teachers. Do more. Teachers, do more without requiring students to do more. And it goes on and on. You're starting to see a pattern. So here's from BuzzFeed News. Okay, I got this from BuzzFeed. I'm going to read a little bit of it, kind of give it the Cliff Notes version of it. But we talk about technology, right? So here is Yvonne. She says, we're competing against all devices. She's a second-grade teacher in southern Illinois who's been teaching for 30 years. I can't think of good things to say about technology. She said over the break she was able to keep in touch with one Oh, no, she says she can think of good things about technology, okay? Like over the break, she was able to keep in touch with a motherless girl in her class on Google Classroom, for example. But I can see that sometimes it's hard to keep a child engaged. Increasingly, her students are given unrestricted access at home to YouTube, viewing materials she didn't think was age-appropriate. Now, we've talked about that on the show, social media, the influence, TikTok, and all that. But, yeah. TikTok is seen as a particular curse. It's addictive quality and ability to spread news fads rapid fire like a devious lick. Not sure what devious lick is, but anyways. TikTok challenges that briefly made it trendy to vandalize school property. Were you there for that? I actually walked into a, uh, a bathroom, heard some commotion, and a guy was trying to take a paper towel dispenser off the wall. Okay, of all the things you're going to take, really going to take a, what are you going to do, walk out with a paper towel dispenser? That's about up there with the IQ level of Hurricane Katrina, and you see these guys carrying big screen TVs, neck high in water with no electricity to be found. Really? What are you going to do with that big screen TV when you're submerged in water up to your neck? Where are you going to put it? Guy's going to carry out a paper towel dispenser, but he saw it on TikTok, vandalized the school. 
So that's what we're going to do. TikTok, it goes on. Again, BuzzFeed News. TikTok is just wrecking these kids' attention spans, said Joe, a high school teacher in upstate New York who has taught middle schoolers. You always had to teach in 15-second intervals for the youngest, and for the oldest, it was a little different. Activities that used to be considered a treat, like watching a movie in class, is now rejected as boring. I'll attest to that. If I show them a movie, they don't want to watch it, said James Stanley, also a high school teacher in Colleen, Texas. If I have them do activities, they don't want to do it. If I have them do notes, they don't want to do it. They're just waiting. That's it. They're waiting for something. And I don't know what that thing is that they're waiting for. So again, that's the classroom environment when you have social media. People are just there. Now, again, technology can be good. Technology can be bad. It's how it's used, right? Just like anything. It's the intent behind it, what's on your heart. But that's what we're dealing with when you're talking about these teachers quitting. When you talk about the life of a teacher, bitten, slapped, cursed at, exhausted, can't take care of your own family, got to do extra work without the extra pay, lack of resources, a disconnect between administration and teachers. It goes on and on. Now, that's not always the case because I have seen and been a part of schools where the administration is really good. Teachers are really good. They're all in tune with each other. They're helping each other out. They're working. They've got some great subs. They've got great paras, all this stuff. So it's not always the case. But again, when you go back to a survey of 670 school districts, that's not schools, that's school districts. So what school district are you in? LAUSD, how many schools are in LAUSD? How many schools are in Orange County? Or any number, New York. What about New York City public schools? Again, so you're dealing with a lot of schools and 50% roughly have vacancies. And those vacancies have to be filled. Now, sometimes the administrator steps up. I've seen administrators subbing in a classroom because there's not a teacher available. So there are good out there. You get both. But again, this is the universal state of education and teaching right now, which leads to 700 people leaving Omaha schools and other people leaving their school districts to go elsewhere. Some other things causing teachers to leave. The politics. Again, school boards. How many teachers? I I was looking online when I'm looking for some of these video clips. And it was endless, the amount of teachers that went before a school board complaining about something and then accusing the school board of not listening to their complaints and doing whatever it is the school board wanted to do to spite the teachers. Now, again, we have to be careful because we have to check the sources, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And so when you have a school board calling parents domestic terrorists, when you have politicians saying that the Students belong to the schools, not the parents. When the politicians get to say what curriculum is run in schools, not the parents. When you want to kick the parents out, that's going to be problematic. So school boards calling parents domestic terrorists, asking for the National Guard, the FBI to come in, investigate, take care of it. Really? Now we've got a problem. Now you've got something that's created an issue by politicians Why are you even on the school board if you don't care about the school? Why are you on the school board if you don't care about the needs of the students? If you don't have academics, because it's a means to an end. You start the school board, and then you can move your way up. You start the school board, you can indoctrinate kids with things like 
CRT, LGBT ideology, even to the youngest of students. I mean, think about this, okay? So you have activism going on. You got teachers that are activists. We've played them on the show. In fact, I played one last episode. But you got activism, okay? If most of the time, from my understanding, ninth grade health class is usually where you have your sex education, usually. Some might differ. Some might be earlier. Some might be later. But again, most of my experience I've seen with students is about ninth grade health class. And a lot of times they might take it over the summer or another school, online, whatever. But that's usually, so we're talking about ninth grade. Most states, age of consent is 18, although some states it's 16. That means you can't have sex regardless of whether you say so until you're a certain age, okay? Otherwise, it's statutory rape, a crime. So if there's age limits, now they want to add age limits to purchasing a gun. They want to make sure that nobody can buy a gun unless you're 21. Drinking, you can't be 21 or under 21 and drink. You have to be 21 or older. So there's age limits put on a lot of things on society. But when it comes to LGBT ideology, which is a sexualized ideology, CRT, a racist-based ideology, you want to put it at the youngest of people. Why? Why are you going after them? Because it's easy to indoctrinate young students, young kids. You can go on to YouTube and you can see all kinds of indoctrination videos. Students following along, chanting about how great it is to have masks and how great it is to be non-binary. They don't even know what the hell that means. You have woke teachers. There are people that are quitting because of their woke teachers, the indoctrination that's going on. There's also people that are quitting because they can't do that. They can't indoctrinate young students. They can't indoctrinate their LGBT or their CRT, so they're giving up. They're going to try to do it other ways, I guess. Testing scores. There's a lot of issues about, okay, you've come back from a two-year pandemic hiatus. Nobody learned anything. That's pretty much obvious. Um, in a lot of cases, not most cases, I mean, not all cases, but in a lot of cases. And yet, you got test scores that are low. Students can't read or write. They're behind. And yet, the expectation is that they should be learning at grade level, even though they've been out of the classroom for a year and a half, two years. Got to change the mindset. Got to kind of reset and start over. Now, people get into teaching for different reasons. Okay, so we've kind of gone over why they're leaving. And in fact, there's a lot of schools that I've read that are like teacher preparation schools that are just shutting their doors. They're done because there's not enough people coming to their programs that want to be teachers. There are school districts out there that are trying to recruit people to be a teacher. There are programs out there where you can teach while you're going to school. So they're coming up with all different kinds of ideas and things to get teachers because there just aren't any available to fill the need that is out there. So it's difficult. It's tough. But these are the reasons why people teach. When you get down to the nuts and bolts, this is their passion. They're taking their passion. They're making it happen. They want to educate. I think most teachers want to educate when you take the politics out of it and all the bells and whistles of all the nonsense going on, deep down, most teachers want to educate their kids. They want to provide them with an opportunity to be successful in life, and that's through education. They want to inspire their students 
to do well, to bring out that inner greatness. Even at the lowest of levels, I've seen it. Kindergarten teachers inspiring their kids, whether it be an art picture, whether it be uh, like phonics or reading, you know, sight words, stuff like that. On the playground, social skills, you see it. From the lowest of levels to the highest. Coaches at the high schools. They want to motivate students, motivate them to do better, to become a better person, to get ahead in life, bring out their inner greatness, raise their standard. They want to change their lives is what it comes down to. And so here is, I guess, the input that teachers have on the lives of students that they teach. Teachers are the people that tell us to move forward, to teach us education that's very important. Yeah, you can learn stuff from the streets, but you won't know what's right or wrong. There would not be a guide for success. It would just be us running around trying to find it. Probably be terrible because nobody would learn. I think life would be pretty bland because teachers are the ones that, you know, they teach us new things, they give us opportunities to... Um, find things out ourselves that we don't understand or un- don't know yet. Nobody would be very smart. There would be a lot of world problems because people would not know what to do. I don't know how I would get through my day without teachers. They encourage me, like, all the time. <laughs> I couldn't imagine what what it would be like without schools or teachers or any public education because we wouldn't learn anything We'd making, we would be making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Public education provides, you know, it provides everybody with a chance, a fair shot to get, to get what they need to succeed in life. I feel like life wouldn't be fair for people who may not have the best uh, deck of cards in life. I wouldn't know discipline. I wouldn't know responsibility. I wouldn't know how to think and how to critically think and how to be me. <laughs> I feel like there would be a decrease in a lot of dreamers as in they don't know what they want to do with their lives. Teachers, honestly, they're amazing people. They dedicate their lives to teaching and just loving and inspiring kids to be whatever they want to be. Without teachers, we'd lose our opportunities for leadership. Many people don't have someone at home that they can see as a leader and teachers every day usually strive to become the leaders that are needed in our lives. I've had teachers who tell me to like chase my dreams, follow my dreams, find my passions and dig deep into them. And that definitely has affected me as a student. A life without teachers would be meaningless to me because teachers have crafted me into the person that I am today. So that's the impact that teachers have had on these particular students. And there's many more, many, many more across the country that, and throughout the annals of time, that have been positively influenced by teachers. So a teacher's doing these great things, what do they have to go through? Well, you have to get a bachelor's degree in something and then get your teacher certification. And depending on where you're at, what state you're at, that could vary. Sometimes it's combined. And other times you have to do one, get your degree, and then get your teaching certificate in additional years of education. State exams, such as the CSET out in California, or the Praxis in other parts of the country, costs money, okay? Costs a lot of money to take these tests. A lot of times people don't pass. They have to do it over and over and over again. 
Then you have to teach 16 weeks for free. Student teach, they call it. You do it for free. Now, in some cases, there's internships. Now, uh, school districts and state board of educations are wise enough to the fact that making these future teachers teach for free is a bonehead idea. And so they're offering them internships, maybe stipends. You know, So that's a little bit changing. But again, teach for free. So you have to jump through all these hoops like a three-ring circus just so that you can be overworked, underpaid, and underappreciated. Nobody does that unless it's in them, unless it's their passion, their drive, their heart, because they want to help others. They want to be there to inspire these young people, to educate them, to bring out the best of them like we just heard from these students. And once a teacher does all this, goes through their bachelor program, gets their teacher certificate program, takes their state-sanctioned tests, do all the evaluations that the first teacher talked about. Student teach for free. Jump through all these hoops. Then you end up with a survey conducted with 3,100 teachers. And the survey indicated that 57% of teachers said they're working more hours than last year. 64% are more stressed. 88% have shortages in support staff. 97% have shortages in substitutes. And it's getting worse. And the pay, we talked about it, $65,000 on the average. Maybe $50,000 or less in places like Florida, Mississippi, South Dakota. California, Massachusetts, and New York, 85000 on the average. Consider cost of living and stuff like that, and people end up doing side hustles, as they call it, trying to make money to make ends meet. But again, teachers don't do it for the money. They go through all these hoops so that they can have the impact that the students that we just heard from, they can have that impact on people's lives. I mean, think about movies like Coach Carter, for example, or that one with Edward James Almos, and uh, others, you know, Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer and the teachers that are out there. I wouldn't include Bad Teacher in that. Bad Teacher has nothing to do with the inspirational messages of these others. But they're based on true stories, and they're teachers that are out there that gave a rip in tough areas with underprivileged kids that didn't care, didn't want to learn, didn't want to be there. But they had to go deep down and reach and get that trust so that they could learn for about an average of 65000 You don't do it for the money. You do it for anything else but the money. And so maybe there needs to be a reset in the education where administration, school districts, state board of educators all come together and rethink how we can keep teachers from leaving, how we can keep teachers. Because the teachers didn't lose the passion or the desire to teach because it just went away. It was driven out of them. It was taken from them. They're exhausted. They're overworked. They don't want to do it anymore. They see other people making more money. And so now all of a sudden the, oh, I get my summers off. Well, big deal. I can't get summers off because I have to do all these other things during the summer, like professional development, or maybe go back and take more classes so that I can get an advanced degree so I can get more pay. So you spend that summertime working on your academics. And all the benefits that you once had are no longer there. But teachers don't give up. Jeremy Anderson doesn't want you to give up. Now I'm at a school with a group of people who quite frankly, I felt like they were weird. Because they were saying stuff to me like, Jeremy, I believe in you. They were saying stuff to me like, Jeremy, we see some great inside you. 
They were saying stuff to me like, Jeremy, I'm so glad I got you in my class. I'm looking like, it's another Jeremy in here? What's his last name? I'm Anderson. They're like, yep, you. I'm like, no way. Like, no way. You, you ain't get my file. They're like, yeah, I got your file right here. Like, every school I went to, there was a folder this thick that would have arrest and, and, and suspensions and incident reports. They're like, yep, you. I'm like, wow, okay, well, hmm. I put a wall up. That's what a lot of your students are doing this in your program. They put that wall up. They hear you. You're like, you can do it, Catherine. You can do it, Hector. They're like, ah, they put a wall up because they don't know if they can trust you. But these teachers, they was weird. They was positive. They were optimistic. They kept speaking life to me. A few things started taking place. I started seeing things a little differently. I realized they didn't have to be in this position. I can't explain it to you, but I realized that some of these educators, like, went into this field intentionally. Like, like some of my teachers, they had family members and loved ones who was making three, four times as much money as they were. And I'm like, bro, why? if your brother's an engineer and he's making four times as much money as you make, why would you do this? He's like, for you. I'm like, you ain't doing it for the money. He's like, ain't no money in this. Here's the reality as educators. You're going to be overworked. You're going to be underpaid. But the value of what you do is worth it. The reality is it's going to be rough, it's going to be frustrating, but you're changing lives. You are changing whole generations. What happens inside the classroom? Like, what happens inside those schools? You are the ones that are shaping our country. Changing lives. That's what it comes down to. Giving people an opportunity to chase their passion. Make it happen. Let themselves be great. Education can open the doors to a lot of things if done right. It can provide opportunity to a lot of people if done right. Both educators and students alike can benefit from a world of academia if it's done right. And it's starting to move to the not being done right column because we've lost our focus. We've gotten wrapped up in all the politics of the world and focusing on that or the fact that we've got these issues going on and these teachers over here are afraid of this and so we need to change to accommodate them and you've got all this nonsense going on and yet we lose fact of the student and the lives that we got to impact, the lives that we were driven to, to impact. There's no excuse that students that you have or that you had, there's no mistake as to why you had them. They were there for a reason. They were there for a purpose. Did you make the most of that opportunity to teach them, to educate them, to give them their best experience possible? Did you provide the best influence for them? Or are you just working for the paycheck, the low paycheck? Because it's too rough. Now, granted, people want to leave. I get it, and I don't blame them. It's tough. You get tired. Get worn out. You need a break. You want to go to something else. You need mental health. You need self-care. You need all that. That's not the point. The point is we need to make it so that these teachers and people that are leaving the profession, when deep down they probably don't want to, but they're being forced out because of all this stuff, this negative effect that's on them, and they're just like, dude, I got to go. My own self-benefit. If we can make it so that they don't have that driving them out and we can get back to focusing on being the inspiration for the students, providing them with opportunities at all levels, K through postgraduate, providing them opportunities, giving them that chance. 
because we did that. We went through that. And it takes a lot, like we went through on the show, it takes a lot to become a teacher. The education, the schooling, the testing, the sacrifices. It takes a lot to become one. It takes a lot to stay one. But it's coming harder and harder. And people are wanting to leave. They want to be a part of this profession. What's going to happen if we lose teachers to the point where we can't have schools? What happens then to the next generation? As you get older and you now have to rely on the next generation to take care of you, what picture are you seeing? I'm kind of seeing the world from Terminator or The Matrix or any one of these things where it's like a bleak world out there being destroyed that we're like eating ourselves inside because all the effort and all the work that we put in to try to raise up the next generation was for naught because we didn't provide the educators and the people that are out there on the front lines of trying to train up these people, these students, this next generation. We didn't provide them with all the tools possible, all the resources possible, all the help possible. Now, there's a lot of administrators, school districts, and people out there that are doing great. Continue doing that. Keep it up. Don't be discouraged. Keep fighting. There's a lot of teachers out there that are going to continue to fight, even though they feel like giving up. Just think of the impact. If you're a student that has been impacted by a teacher, maybe you should reach out to that teacher. Give them a note. Let them know the job that they did, how they impacted your life, the inspiration that they were. Maybe they'd like to hear that. Because oftentimes we hear the negative, the negative, right? The, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, you know? The loudest voice, or it's usually the loudest complainer, gets heard. Maybe it's time we give good feedback, positive feedback, messages of, hey, you may not remember me, but I was in your class, and I appreciate everything you did for me. You gave me the best opportunity for an education in third grade, fourth grade, eighth grade, eighth grade English class, ninth grade PE, whatever, whoever. Maybe you reach out. It's easier than you think. Social media provides access. Maybe call the school and send the school the message, and they can maybe forward it. Maybe just put it out there. Maybe, you know, we're going into Pride Month, a whole month to celebrate Pride. But what, we have Teacher Appreciation Week? Maybe we need Teacher Appreciation Month. You know, we talked about it with the military. You get Memorial Day to remember those that have sacrificed. Veterans Day to remember those that have served. You know, you get a day here or there to celebrate and commemorate the military. You get a week for teachers, but you get a whole month for pride. You get a whole month for black history and all these other histories. Maybe it's time that we give teachers more appreciation and expand it. It's time to rethink, change our mindset, Put the focus back on to where it belongs. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. RadioWarp.com, that's Radio W-A-R-P. RadioWarp.com is where we're at. Click on the Two Steps Ahead Podcast logo and all of our shows pop up. Or you can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. My name is Son Edom, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.